Today, I want to talk about the woman who argued with Jesus and won. Guess who this woman was? It was not obviously one the woman. It was a mother. No, it was not his mother. Not even great, pious, devout mother. It was a Gentile mother. Not even you know great Gentile mother, but less than ordinary Gentile mother. She was a troubled, desperate mother because she had a demon-possessed daughter. So, but she was one of the very few people whose faith was commended, praised by Jesus in the Gospels. In Matthew 15, 28, Jesus said, Woman, you have a great faith, and your request is granted. And then her daughter healed at the moment. So, commentator quipped that Jesus actually capitulated to her. Jesus actually capitulated her. As if Jesus was telling her, You won. Your faith is great and impressive. I gladly surrender my power to your prayer. So great mother is a mother of a great faith. Anyone who has a faith in God can be a great mother and great father, great son, great daughter, great husband, and great wife. Though she is unnamed, her story was well known in the Bible and throughout the early church. So let us find out the characteristic of a great faith. When Jesus said, actually, your faith is great, the word is a mega, mega faith. So today we'll learn about mega faith in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verse 24 to 30. So let's read a passage. Jesus left the place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered the house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he, he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by impure spirit, unclean spirit, came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take a children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even dogs under the table eat the children's crumb. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. Demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her daughter lying on the bed and the demon gone. The first characteristic of a great faith is a boldness is a boldness. She boldly approached Jesus. Let's find out how she encountered Jesus first in the verse 24. Jesus left the place and went to the vicinity of a tire, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. Now, if you look at the map, tire if you look at the map, Tyre was about 35 miles north of Capernaum, the headquarters of Jesus' Galilean ministry. And today Jesus left Galilee and came to this Gentile territory. Other than Egypt, 
This trip was the only foreign travel Jesus did in his life. He came here to stay away from the pressure of a ministry and growing hostility of Jewish religious authorities. And our Lord wanted to stay incognito here. By the way, I'm glad to see Jesus understood the, uh, the importance of a taking break. Unfortunately, his reputation is already reached here. So if you look at the Mark chapter 3, verse 8, that when they heard all he was doing, many people came from, um, to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. People around Tyre and Sidon also heard about Jesus' healing power and ministry. So, verse 25, In fact, as soon as she heard about him, the woman whose little daughter was possessed, by an unclean spirit, came and fell at his feet. You know, Greek word for fell at his feet is a prospito, prospito, from which we have English prostrate, prostrate. Mark actually trying to, Mark is actually describes how approaching Jesus with two things. One is a rapid action, and the other one is a reverent attitude. For the rapid action, actually, he used the uh, a participle verb. So, literal reading is that hearing Jesus' presence in hometown. And coming to him, she prostrated. Okay? So, there is an action. She's a speedy. Her soon as she found Jesus, she came out very fast. Now, verse 25. I want, you know, it's very interesting. Verse 25 said, This woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. We already heard Jesus went to Gentile land, Tyre and Sidon, vicinity of Tyre. Thus, we find this introduction a strange repetition. It's like I'm telling you that I went to Galveston and met a Houstonian who was born in Texas. Does it make sense to you? You know, that's very redundant. Why was Mark again saying something so obvious again in his short uh, gospel? Here we can see Mark's intention to emphasize unlikely encounter between this woman and Jesus. So Mark wants to, want to know that whom Jesus met and this more than anything she is a Gentile. Now, uh, so let's look at her background briefly. Historically, Tyre was a, has been very hostile to Israel. For instance, Tyre sent one time its, prince, uh, its a princess to Israel, and she became the worst queen in Israel's history. Who am I, who am I talking about? Bible readers, her name is? was Jezebel, the Baal missionary, wife of King Ahab, who almost exterminated all the prophets of Yahweh and also tried to kill Elijah. That's a Tyre. And also Tyre was trading unfairly with the Jews in Galilean area. There were constant disputes over economical matters. 
In fact, Acts chapter 12, verse 20 tells us this. He, the Acts chapter 12, 20, okay. He, the Herod, uh, he here means uh, Herod Agrippa, the great son, uh, great, uh, uh, grandson of uh, Herod the Great, he was a ruler in Galilee, had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon, or Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him after securing a support of a Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on king's country, that means Galilee, for their food supply. Galileans at the time did not like people of Tyre and Sidon for their unfair trading and condescending attitude toward them. Why condescending attitude? If you look at the Phoenician's history, Phoenicians were seafaring colonizers and very sophisticated people. What we call today is an international trade, international traders or business people with advanced technology in contrast to uncultured Jewish farmers and shepherds in Galilee. So if you actually Google Phoenicia, You'll find the tens of cities and colonies they established everywhere in Mediterranean Sea and North Africa and Spain and Italy. You name all the you know, small islands in Mediterranean you know, uh, world. And the most famous Phoenician city in North Africa was Carthage. Carthage. And uh, the famous general from Carthage, Hannibal, do you remember? One who actually attacked, you know, back up the, um, who brought the elephant across the Alps and attacked Rome. Anyway, Carthage one time competed with Rome for the control of the Mediterranean world. So there are so many Phoenicians, and actually today she was called the Syro-Phoenician because this Phoenicia was controlled by Syrians. Okay. And uh, according to Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, Tyre was the most bitter enemy of Israel at the time. So she is not just from Gentile land. She is from adversary you know, land. And then she was culturally Greek, meaning she was pagan. Matthew actually called her Canaanite. You know, Canaanite by then is gone. But when Matthew called her Canaanite, she is talking about her religious identity. You know, so Canaanite, they worship, they worship the idol. They act as a result. They, they have a, the reason actually these daughters have an unclean spirit is because a Canaanite, their religion was unclean. So there is a connection. In sum, who is she? She was religiously Canaanite, culturally pagan, historically adversary, and I didn't go much into that gender-wise, she is a female, a woman. And, uh, you know, woman talking to uh, a man, especially a Jewish rabbi, is a very, very rare. And socioeconomically rival. For such a person to approach a Jewish rabbi was, a, was a more than bold. More than bold. So some New Testament scholars called her, quote, boundary breaker, boundary breaker here. Now, 
Speaking of a boundary breaking, who is the greatest boundary breaker of all time? That's none other than our Lord Jesus Christ, who left his eternal glory, came to temporal world to meet us. And boldness of a faith, that's the you know, first characteristic of a faith is a boldness, bold approaching, right? Boldness of a faith is a possible because our God broke all the barriers to welcome you and me and everyone. If you really look at the context of today's story, today's story comes right after uh, the section of a defilement in the Mark chapter 7, verse 1 to 23. There, Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law from Jerusalem, they saw some of the disciples of Jesus eating food with their hands that were defiled. And the reason they called defiled is that they didn't do a ceremonial washing. And ceremonial washing is different from usual you know, washing that we do here. It's not a, for hygienic purpose. It's for the religious purpose. Just in case they touch some unclean stuff, especially uh, Gentiles. So to that, Jesus replied that uh, Isaiah was right. You hypocrite. You let go of the commands of God, and you are holding onto human tradition. So Jesus rebuked his Pharisees that you made a human tradition standard of truth. And you traded God's truth with a human tradition, through which you made yourself more righteous, better than other people. And then Jesus said this in earlier passage here, the section of defilement. Verse 15, Jesus said, Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. So Jesus is basically saying, Whatever comes out of a person is what defiles them. It is from the within, out of a person's heart, that evil thought comes, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, Envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All this evil come from inside and defile a person. To sum up, Jesus said, nothing external can defile us. Just as all food is clean. By the way, this is a radical statement from Jewish rabbi. With that statement, Jesus threw away all the kosher regulation. Do you remember the kosher food? Jewish people don't eat hot dog. Jesus said, hot dog is good. That's what Jesus said. Yeah. And just as all food is clean, there is no and then there is no such thing as unclean food. There is no unclean human being. Not just Jewish people. All people are precious to God. That's the preceding section of today's story. And then Jesus came to Tyre, vicinity of a Tyre. So Reason we could, she could, and we could, we can boldly approach to Jesus is because Jesus radically made himself available for us. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at the second characteristic of a great faith. Great faith. That is a persistency. She persistently asked Jesus. You know, Mark chapter 7, 26, today she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. The Greek tense of the bird you know, a verb, bad, was imperfect. And Greek, imperfect means a continuous action. 
So better translation would be, she was begging Jesus to uh, uh, drive the demon out of daughter. And uh, Matthew 15, 23, translated in this way, Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send away. She keeps crying out after us. Syrophoenician woman kept crying out to Jesus and his disciples so much that that they disciples, they were so disturbed and they wanted to just try to get rid of her. Now, why was she persistently asking Jesus? It is because Jesus did not say anything here. No one showed any response to our request. Here we see, we are observing, strange silence of God. Strange silence of God. Have you, have you experienced strange silence of God? Everyone who approached God and asked God experiences silence of God from time to time. Yeah, me too. I experience the silence of God from time to time. I'm still struggling, or you know, some of them right now. Why is God silent to us, especially as a beloved children? Didn't he tell us to ask anything in my name? You know, knock the door, you know, you know, you know, seek and, you know, knock. And, you know, he said to keep on asking. In this story, why was Jesus silent to this desperate mother? You know, answer comes from our dedication song today. So I want you to look at our dedication song. This dedication song, the first stanza goes like this. As a, a, a title of song is a blessing. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty end to ease our suffering. All the while, you hear each spoken word. Yet, love us. You love us way too much to give us lesser things. Continuing. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healings come through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? Now, Blessing is a song written by Laura Story. Laura Story uh, is a very renowned, uh, award-winning Christian songwriter. Do you remember the Chris Tomlin song, Indescribable? She's the one who wrote the song. She married a handsome uh, athlete named uh, Marvin Elvington in 2005. And a year later, uh, Marvin found a brain tumor. And this song was born out of a fire, caught a fire of fears and loneliness during his brain surgery and recovery. Can you imagine the brand new, you know, bride, newlywed, you know, less, you know, year later found the husband has, you know, uh, you know, life-threatening brain tumor. And the key phrase of this song here is that the last, last line of the first stanza, yet you love us way too much to give us a less thing. You love us way too much to give us a lesser thing. In this story, 
Jesus loved the Syrophoenician woman way too much to let her see him only as a miracle worker and a healer. Jesus knew that she already believed that he is a powerful healer. But Jesus wanted to upgrade her faith from urgent healing crisis to an ultimate saving relationship. So his silence today was not just a dragging you know, his feet or her feet, but actually, guess what? Was a developing her faith through persistency. Because of persistency and perseverance does a one thing for us. It has an incredible power of purifying our faith and deepening our trust in God. You know, perseverance or persistency, you know, make us think harder and trust deeper. It makes us question, is it worth keep on keeping on trying? Keep on trying. Every time we encounter same old unanswered prayer, we ask ourselves the same question. Does God really hear me? Does God really love me? Can I really trust God? Persistent prayer is possible because we trust God each time and each prayer. And that's how faith grows. You know, faith is growing faith is like a muscle. Muscle doesn't grow overnight. Muscle, you have to exercise every day. You have to, you know, through the pain, you know, through the daily pain, you break all the you know, tissues and then grow the new tissues. And that's how muscles grow. Muscle takes time. Faith, like a muscle, takes a persistency. Perseverance. This is why all the biblical heroes of a faith took a long time to receive their promises from God. You know, G.K. Chesterton, one of the, my favorite things of G.K. Chesterton uh, is that uh, anything worth doing it is uh, worth doing it poorly. What does that mean? Anything worth doing it, worth doing poorly. For instance, is uh, eating worth doing? Yes, I, 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 you know, eating is worth doing, you know. We live for, to eat, not to eat to live, you know. So why, you know, that's why we eat regardless of a well-cooked food is well-cooked or poorly cooked. Is exercising worth doing it? Yes, that's why I try to exercise regardless, uh, you know, my exercise is aesthetically, you know, Pleasing or ugly, I don't care. Exercise is good for my body and my family, right? Is a Bible reading worth doing it? Yes, it is worth doing it. Worth trying again, even after New Year's resolution did not work out. Time to restart again. I'm actually praying and trying right now how to do a Bible reading again in the summer. So, wait, you know, I, I, I'm testing something. So as soon as my test is over, I'll announce it in coming weeks. Now, whatever is worth doing, worth doing persistently. So when Chesterton said uh, that anything is worth doing, is worth doing poorly, I want to say this. Anything worth doing is worth doing over and over again. Good things, great things 
are worth our effort, repeated effort, and attempts and our persistency. You know, Charles Spurgeon once said, by perseverance, Snail reached the Ark of Noah. Don't you love it? By persistency, uh, perseverance, the snail reached the Ark of Noah. So ask a snail if it was worth crawling all the way, all day long, into the Noah's Ark. You know, Jesus' strange silence was not indifference. It was very intentional. He was intensifying her faith. In what area? Here comes the ultimate characteristic of a great faith, that is a humility. So finally, Jesus replied to the persistent mother, Gentile mother, Syrophoenician woman, verse 27. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's food, bread, and toss it to the dogs. Here, Jesus gave her a parabolic answer, a parable as an answer. He basically asked her, I'm not attending you right now because you are not my child. Which one comes first, lady? Children or dog? You know, this parabolic you know, answer has a dual meaning. First, Jewish people call the Gentiles dogs. And the dogs in ancient world are over, uh, mo mo mostly they are scavengers. This is a street dog, ugly dogs, smelly, ugly dogs, okay? But here, second of all, Jesus used the diminutive you know, term for dogs. Instead of a kuon, which is uh, you know, the usual dog, he used a kunarion, which is a puppy more like a little dog, little dog. Little children, little dog, do you get that? So Jesus was using a domestic metaphor. And the dog here was a family dog or puppy or pet. But let me tell you, even cute puppies don't eat before or better than your children, right? Right? I want to ask this. Catherine. Catherine Kim, who has the best dog in the world. And I know Lulu is a really... She is, uh, you know, the quintessential uh, uh, ugly cute dog or cute ugly dog, whatever. She's ugly but a cutie at the same time. She's a paradox. But anyway, do you spend more money for Lulu or for Joshua? For food? All right, I'm waiting for an answer. This is Mother's Day. Tell <laughs> me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joshua. Your mother. Okay, all right. I was, you know, I, these days, uh, once in a while in my neighborhood, I walk and I see some people, I saw actually a lady uh, uh, pu uh, pushing a carriage. And guess what is in the carriage? Not a baby, it was a dog in the carriage. Have you seen people walking, pushing carriage with a dog in it? I heard about them. I never knew there was one in my neighborhood. Shocking. Anyway, we know never pass take a place over children. That's what Jesus said. That's not right to toss the children's food to dogs, even cute puppies, even Rulu. And what did the Syrophoenician woman reply? Verse 28, she said, 
Lord, she replied, even dogs under the table eat the children's crumb. Even dogs under the table eat the children's crumb. You know, her answer is basically this. You're right, Jesus. I'm not your child. I'm not a child of your household. I'm not even a member of Israel. I'm a Gentile. And I know you guys call us dog. I'm a dog. But even a dog is children's crumb. I'm not asking for a main course. I'm asking for crumb. Crumb will suffice to me. Have a mercy on me. Give me just a crumb so that my child can live. You know, this is the ultimate picture of humility, which is a final and foremost important characteristic of a faith. Great faith means profound humility. Profound humility. You cannot separate the faith from the humility. Biblical humility we find here is not based on myself or qualified by my side, but is actually purely based on and defined by God and His mercy. What she was confessing here is that I'm not asking you to give me what I deserve on the basis of my goodness, on the basis of my goodness, but give me what I don't deserve on the basis of your goodness. Your goodness. And she said, crumb is enough. Crumb is enough. By the way, if she called her casting out demons and the evil power of crumb, can you imagine what she believed about the main course in God's kingdom or God's table? Biblical humility comes from God's humongous love for us. She is saying God's love for us is so rich that even small crumb is more than enough for me. Do you know God's crumb is tastier than any, uh, what is that, the Michelin five-star food? His crumb makes us more humble, more grateful, more generous, and I might say more hungry than any delicious food in the world. Do you know God's crumb? Have you tasted God's grace? Do you know how enriching that is? Let's see the conclusion of the story today. Verse 29, Jesus told her, For such a reply you may go, demon has left your daughter. You must know that this is the first remote healing in the Gospel of Mark. And I bet, more than remote healing, Jesus was so happy to hear such a reply of a humble faith that really teaches his disciples and all of us. That's the essence of a faith. And then verse 30, she went home and found her child lying on the bed and demon gone. I want you to know, I want you to understand this. The real blessing for the Syrophoenician woman here is that she not just, a, you know, she can tell her daughter later the one who cast out demon from her was not just a miracle healer or miracle worker. It was a crucified Christ. 
years later. It was a crucified Christ. One who healed her was a son of God who sacrificed his life for us. And she could tell later, he did not just give us crumb. He gave us himself and his life for us. That's a blessing beyond all health and wealth and peace and prosperity, brothers and sisters. Her humility reveals the humongous love of Jesus for all of us. She said, your crumb is more than enough. Can you say today, Lord, your crumb is more than enough. Say right now, wherever you are, on three, one, two, three. Your crumb is more than enough for me. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, it is you who first came to approach us boldly with a human flesh of a baby in a manger. It is you who persistently sought us. It is you who humbly revealed your heart and love for us on the cross. Thank you for giving us your heart. Though we are unworthy, you never see us as a worthless or even unworthy. But you see us as a worth more than any treasure in the world. Help us, Heavenly Father, to approach you boldly. Much more, ask you persistently with a deeper trust every day. Even when our prayer is not answered, we know your heart is wide open for us and you waiting for us to grow and help us to accept your love humbly and gratefully for you gave us more than crumb. You gave your son, only son for us. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.